welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to this uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live and recording for a podcast on the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. Today I'm going to be introducing or interviewing even Mark Ormrod, who is a uh, veteran Royal Marine and uh, I'll let uh, Mark introduce himself very shortly but sometimes I'm doing podcasts and I will interview people or and this is going to form a bit of an interview but also it's going to form a Q&A type session. Mark is a property investor himself since leaving uh, the Royal Marines and he's a, a buy-to-let investor to date but also interested in moving into serviced accommodation so Mark's going to ask me well he can ask me whatever he likes about single lets, HMOs, service combination, because I actually do all of those strategies. So let's not waste any more time, Mark. But can, can you please just explain a little bit about yourself and your journey and what's led you here um, as a property investor? Absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned just now, I'm a, a former Royal Marines commando. I joined the military at 17, straight out of school. Uh, finished my training at 18 in 2001 and then was thrown in right at the deep end in Iraq in 2003. Came back from there, you know, settled into my the early part of my career like anyone does and 2005 my daughter was born so I left for a year to retrain as a bodyguard. I failed miserably as a civilian. It's a lot harder than I anticipated so I went running back to the warm embrace of the Royal Marines in early 2007, where I was deployed to 40 Commando, who were already in pre-deployment training for a six-month tour of Afghanistan. So settled in there nicely, got straight into the pre-deployment training, hit the ground on September 7th, 2007, for a six-month tour. And halfway through that tour, uh, Christmas Eve, actually, 2007, I was second in command of an eight-man patrol. Heading back into our camp, I made the mistake of standing on and detonating an improvised explosive device, which took off my right arm and both of my legs above the knee. So I went on a roller coaster journey of rehabilitation and recovery was medically discharged from the Royal Marines in July 2010. But I was very lucky. Um, Four weeks, I think, after I left, I was called up by a retired brigadier who was, at at that time, the chief executive of the Royal Marines charity. He offered me a job, which I gratefully accepted, and carried out that job for the last 10 years. I actually just left that job uh, a couple of weeks ago in January. But during that period, during that 10 year period, I started my property investing uh, journey, if you like. 
not in you know I had no grand dreams of you know taking over Plymouth and and being numero umero or anything like that I was just picking up these little bargains where I found them I think I ended up maybe picking only up about four I think over 10 years but you know they were they were right the numbers stacked up but I didn't really I've, I've never done any courses or training or anything um I just went down the what I I'm assuming it's the traditional route of of single residential buy to lets. Um, they have gone up in value. Like I said, I was quite lucky. It was a mix of luck and you know obviously doing the numbers to make sure that I, I bought them at the right price anyway. Um, and now I've left. I've got a bit more time on my my hand. I've been trying to look at other strategies. You know. Um, I'm aware that there are vast strategies out there, uh, HMOs, service accommodation, which you specialize in, uh, various ways to buy these properties without necessarily having a, a huge chunk of money. I've just bought another uh, residential buy to let, but I had to find 30K to, to fund that initial purchase. And I know we've spoken between these, these two podcasts that there are a million different ways you can do that uh, and buy property without needing that much cash up front, which I'm excited to learn about. But yeah, I just want to, um, I want to continue this journey, you know, as a, as a disabled man, you know, I, I don't, I've spent 10 years with a boss, albeit a very kind, generous boss with a, a very flexible routine. I don't want to have a job as such anymore where I'm nine to five and I have to be here and do that. There are a lot of complications, if you like, that come in my situation, medical appointments and that kind of stuff. So I want the freedom um, of of growing my portfolio, creating that, I don't like to say passive income, but semi-passive income that comes along with that, and slowly and steadily winning the race, if I can. So that's where I am now. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I call it, I agree with you. Um, I don't call it passive income. Because anyone that tells you that property is passive is uh, is selling you something that ain't true. Right. But I call it recurring income. Okay. And uh, and uh, yeah, you can make it as passive as possible. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, my my journey, my history is is definitely not making it passive. Um, in whilst I was building up my portfolio in the army, and I was I was investing in property for uh, twenty years of my 24-year army career um, for the first 19 years of investing in property i was not doing it right and i definitely wasn't doing it passively but um okay that that's great and so you uh so you currently you, you mentioned just now uh, 30 grand was a deposit or was that the deposit plus refurb that you invested in a vital act so there was no need to refurb this one. Uh, it comes All from right. tenants in situ. They moved in in November. I'm literally making the exchange. I've got the tenants in there. The property is up to a really good standard. So it's just a turnkey investment for me. So it was, I think, yeah. so I bought, what I've done now is I've, um, I've created a limited company. The limited company are buying the property. Now, I may have even messed up here, but you know I had to pay stamp duty. I had to get a minimum of a 25% deposit, I was told. And then all the fees that are associated with mortgage brokers and solicitors, and it, it's just shy of 30, 30 grand, I think, on a ninety-two thousand yeah. pound property. So I'm here to learn. Yeah, 
<clears throat> yeah, well, I mean that, that's that's standard. That's normal for um, for people that just buy a property that's turnkey, doesn't need anything doing to it, and let it out as a buy to let. So ultimately, it's about what return on investment are you getting for your for your money? And if you worked out your 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 cash employed versus the money out, it's a it's a relatively small return on investment compared to other strategies. So um, that that I currently do. So what what is it that um, what is it that's interesting you in service accommodation? What is it that you want uh, to know more about? I just think really, I mean, I mean everything. Do you know what I mean from from the ground up? Effectively, I understand the concept of it. I, I know what it's about, but I like you just mentioned. I'm trying to make this as passive as possible. So I don't want to be investing in a property and running around every day changing the bed linen or, you know, scratching everywhere, trying to find tenants and people to stay there, guests. You know, I really what kind of makes me nervous is and I know you you write out terms and conditions and all that kind of great stuff. But I'm pretty sure I just saw a, a story recently in London where there was like a hundred and thirty man party in somebody's service accommodation that got shut down. So. I guess all of it, really. I mean, like, can you just turn a, a maybe a, a regular three, four bed terrace property into serviced accommodation? Can you buy them already as serviced accommodation? The easiest route, I'm assuming. You know, I, I know some of the things you've been doing recently, which is really smart um, and inspirational, the, the way you're doing it. Um, I mean, what a, for my situation, what I'm thinking of, and, and you know Plymouth very well, and for anyone watching who knows Plymouth, the kind of hoe and the Barbican area, I think, is where I'd want to be. If if I was coming to Plymouth or passing through on, on the way to Cornwall, that would be the ideal place to stay. But, you know, I'd be looking at one, maybe two-bedroom apartments. Does that work with service accommodation? Is that feasible? Are you allowed to do that because there may be other tenants in the building? I, I don't really know, mate. Yeah. I just gave you a lot of questions there. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. So the the properties that you've already got that you're using as buy-to-let would work perfectly well as serviced accommodation. So you mentioned that that, that buy-to-let you've just bought. Um, how, how many bedrooms is it? It's two. Okay. And so I've got two bed houses that used to be buy to lets that are now serviced accommodation and they're not fancy apartments by you know by the marina they're bog standard terrace properties and they work really well as service accommodation and i tell you i don't actually go for properties that are going to be attractive to people who want to go out on a friday and saturday night mm -hmm. I will go for properties that are going to be attractive to a, a group of uh, builders who want to rent somewhere for three months. Not okay. not a not some um, you know hen party um, ladies or, or stag stag do lads that want a, a, a Friday or a Saturday night. So actually, um, thinking outside the box is a is a little bit better. And and when you do that you have less competition and i'll give you an example so most people think i'll just go and get a, a flat in by the marina or a flat in the inner city and use that as service accommodation one two bed 
Um, now that cannot accommodate six tradesmen okay. who are looking for somewhere to stay for three or four months. Whereas your three, your two, three bed house, maybe a three bed house, a little bit further out of the town centre could, and they've got a vehicle. You know, they they they've got they don't need to be right by the Barbican or whatever. They might actually be working on the outskirts of, of Plymouth on a project or wherever the building site is or whatever it is that they are doing. And, and by the way, it doesn't have to be um, blue collar workers. It can be white collar workers as well. You can have a team of IT people coming in and and renewing the IT systems at Derriford Hospital or something like mm. that, you know. So um, what we do is we try and target the much longer bookings. So actually, I, that's what I do. So the different strategies that I do is buy-to-let conversion to serviced accommodation, and they're just ex-buy-to-lets that I turn into SA. And all of a mm -hmm. sudden, I'm not affected by Section 24, and I get to claim capital allowances. I do purchase to SA. Now, I'm, I, yeah, in fact, I have done key, uh, turnkey where it was just a, a one-bedroom apartment. This is when I first moved into SA because I was being taught when I first got into SA that SA was just one and two bedroom apartments by the water. Mm -hmm. So I went and bought one of those and just turned that into SA. Didn't need to do anything to it. Still got it, still use it as SA. But it wasn't until Section 24 started to take its toll and, and you know, I was having to pay more tax on my buy-to-let income and I realized that if I moved those buy-to-lets into service combination I wasn't going to be affected by section 24 it was only after then I learned about capital allowances but that's that's another subject tens of thousands of pounds worth of tax-free income from the same property and so when I would get a buy-to-let back from a tenant I would actually think Do you know what I'm going to use this as service combination instead and I at the time I thought Do you know what if it just wipes its face I'm happy because I'll be able to still offset all my mortgage interest and I was actually a bit fed up with tenants. Uh, mm. When tenants trash your property and don't pay you rent, you're not allowed to kill them. So that's always been an issue for me. And um, and so, yeah, I, every now and then, you'd think you're getting this cash flow from a buy-to-let, and then a tenant trash doesn't pay you rent, and you have to evict and all that. And, and guess what? You you weren't earning any cash flow from your buy-to-let. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's I've had plenty of really good tenants uh, that have been my tenants for years and years and years but every now and then you get a bad apple that's just part of the course so but I would turn them into SA and just plug them into my channel manager and list them on the OTAs etc and I was amazed by the the cash flow that I was getting from the exact same bulk standard properties five times the buy to let cash flow and that's on average over the course of a, a, a calendar year average five times um, the cash flow and then I could claim the capital allowances and not be affected by Section 24 and not have any tenants either. <clears throat> the management of the SAs fully outsourced to other people. So either my team of cleaners, laundry, handy, handyman, and, and somebody just project manages that team. Or I've even got SAs that uh, I've outsourced the management to a local SA management company in that town. So I joint venture with some people who have gone through my training, my service combination training, and I've invested in their business. I've got property and I hand it over to them to manage it for me. That's 100 percent passive. Um, and so 
And in some instances, you know what, they would actually do a better job than, than I would because I'm, I'm, I'm spread a bit thin at times. And I'm thinking about, you know, podcasting and, and um, uh, public speaking and, and doing social media and, and, and you know, my, my focus is elsewhere. So actually, sometimes if someone's got a bespoke service combination management company, give it to them. Let them do the marketing yeah. for it. Let them just be all over it. And so for someone like yourself, you could do uh, purchase to SA, uh, either turnkey or buy, refurbish, refinance into mm -hmm. SA where you buying it you know hopefully blow market value add value to it get it all nicely refurbished refinance it and hand it over to an SA management company for instance claim the capital allowances you know no no not affected by section 24 now for people buying in a limited company they're not affected by section 24 but you don't have to buy in a limited company if you're doing SA with the property because section 24 does not affect service accommodation so you can still buy in your own name and um, so you can do purchase to SA and also rent to SA. But so you can rent a property with permission, use that as serviced accommodation. And actually, you can just hand that over to an SA management company as well. And if you want to know what property to go and get to do rent to mm. SA or purchase to SA, ask the property, the SA management company, which properties they want more of. Then, and they'll tell you which properties make them the most money. So you you go and find a property. So say I own a, like a six-bed property, right? You come to me and you rent my six-bed buy to let off me for like £800 a month. I then give you permission to use it as SA and then you go and sublet it out for £1,600 a month. But with my property. Is that right? Nearly. So yeah, okay. your your normal your normal single let rent per month, if you were going to let it out to a, a buy to let tenant, was is is eight hundred quid, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, so I come along and I'll say, right, Mark, I'm I'll rent it off you for eight hundred quid, mm -hmm. and I will keep it in show home condition. So you might be a landlord that's had bad tenants, you've been affected by section twenty four, and and you're you're pretty fed up. I come along and say, look, Mark, I'm going to keep it in show home condition. Do you want to come and have a look at any of my others that are kept in show home condition? You're more than welcome, obviously, if you haven't got one. You might, in that situation, what you could do if you've got an SA management company is say, do you want to have a look at one of, one of our others? And the SA management company, you just arrange with them to let the owner have a look at one of the others that's in between guests, return to show home condition. Mm -hmm. All right. So you can do that just to reassure the, the owner. But anyway, so I say to you, keep it in show home condition. And I'm going to use it as serviced accommodation. Now, I never, uh, I always tell a letting agent or a landlord that, yes, I am going to be listing it on Airbnb and booking.com. Okay. Now, here's the, the best way of getting a, a property on a rent to SA is you go and do some legwork in advance of going and speaking to the landlord. And let's say you've, you've reached out to a building company who are coming to Plymouth. Um, to, to do a new build development and you say to that building company uh, would you like to stay in one of my service accommodation properties there for five people staying in 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 my property um, the night rate would be x amount they're going to get their own lounge and they're going to get their their own uh, kitchen and either their own bedrooms or they could uh, have twin 
single beds in the uh, the bedrooms. So you can actually reach out to companies and businesses, essentially getting them to say yes. If you were if you were able to provide that accommodation for me, we would definitely be interested. All right. So there's no contract being signed or anything like that. Now, by the way, um, I'm happy to to send you uh, a flyer that I've got. There's a PDF flyer that you can actually uh, send to uh, companies. And when they say send me some more information, then um, I can, you can say, yeah, there you go, the PDF flyer. And it, and it shows service combination properties and it shows the benefits of service combination properties. Mm-hmm. OK, in over and above hotels or you could go as far as having your own website. And again, I can refer people to a really good website guy who will create you a website which looks like you're up and running already in advance of you actually getting your first property. Okay, Okay. so you can have that. But the the beauty of it doing this way is then when you go to a a landlord or a letting agent, you're saying, look, I want to rent your property off you to use a service accommodation for my clients who are ABC Construction Limited, who are coming to the area and they need a property to be serviced and kept in show home condition, etc., for the next four months. And that's the better way of doing it. Um, and so if I came to you and said, this is this is why I want to rent your property, because I want to be uh, using it for my clients, I'll keep it in show home condition. But out of the money that I get, now I'm not going to say to you how much money I'm going to get for the property. I'm just using it for my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, now out of the, the money, let's say I'm getting two and a half grand a month in from these guys out of that I'm paying the the uh, the bills in the property so I'm paying the gas and electric council tax all that stuff all business rates if I elect to go on to business rates <clears throat> I'm paying the uh, the cleaners paying to, for the laundry paying the OTA commissions the, you know the, the bookings that are coming in from the OTAs I'm paying those commissions as well so effectively out of my two and a half grand I'm giving you your 800 pounds rent Okay. taking out all the other bills and what's left is mine so either either i'm going to be managing your property by renting it off you and managing it with my own team or i'm going to come to you and rent it off you and actually hand that over to an sa management company and i sit back you know uh <laughs> drink, drinking coffee <laughs> and let yeah. them manage it for me so that's, that's really that's a way of doing it you like it uh, that I'm loving that. I can I can see a lot of you know phone calls and wheeling and dealing to get get it in place. But when it's in place and it's rolling, you know, like you say, you're sitting back sipping coffee while the management company are looking after it for you. And um, and actually, if you get in with a, a letting agent, and I know a few in Plymouth, um, the beauty of this is that that you set up a limited company because you take the property on a um, on a company let by the the letting agent all right so your company mark ormrod limited mark ormrod uh short-term accommodation limited you know whatever um you're taking it on a company let and um they can charge you referencing fees whereas they can't charge tenants referencing fees anymore it's actually costing letting agents 35 percent of their turnover because they're the tenant referencing fees have gone but they can still reference a limited company. Now, okay. as long as now you're not your brand new company isn't likely to pass referencing, which letting agents are completely used to. All they then ask for is a guarantor. So either you stand as a guarantor or somebody else 
stands for a as a guarantor for the rent. So boom, it's past referencing. And um, ultimately, that, that's how you get property from a, a letting agent or you take it on what we call a, a, a management agreement if you're taking a property on a rent to SA direct to an owner. So company let agreement, letting agent, management agreement if you're doing a rent to SA direct to an owner. But like, as I said, the beauty for a letting agent is that all of a sudden now their owners are, are really happy because you're keeping it in show home condition or the management company are. And when the letting agent is doing their quarterly checks, they're okay. thinking, well, I've never seen a property kept in such a fantastic state. And we, we are getting uh, 10 out of 10 on every single um, score whenever our letting agents are, are um, doing their uh, quarterly checks or, or, you know, however frequently there's some letting agents do it at different frequencies. So then they're sending it through to their their landlords who are thinking, wow, isn't this letting agent doing a fantastic job for us? And the rent's getting paid. Bang on. No, no it's not late. And the property's in beautiful condition. And mm -hmm. the letting agent's loving it because they're not getting calls from tenants saying, um, come and deal with this squeaky door or mm -hmm. um, what, what are you going to do about this and what are you going to do about that? And the letting agent's got plenty of problem tenants like that, whereas you're not going to be that problem tenant. Right. So now the letting agent is motivated to give you more. So I, I was looking since the last time we spoke. I looked on because I didn't even know um, that you could like, you could buy properties on Gumtree and, and all of these things. I just I'm so I think stuck in the Stone Age with this stuff that I just used to look on Rightmove, and I found about maybe four uh, what I think were HMOs. Uh, in the kind of student area in Plymouth. I, I, I looked at HMO about eight years ago and uh, I backed out of it. But I'm not sure specifically in Plymouth if that model for private language is dying because they're putting up a lot of um, university-owned accommodation. But I can imagine you could turn one of those that is pretty much ready to go as a as SA already. Now, where my concern would be here, and I think I know the answer to this, is getting the bodies in there. So if to, there was one I saw, maybe it was 175,000. I think it was a six-bed HMO ready to go. So as long as you can sort the finance out for that, you then need to get it tenanted with the people. And so do these management companies, are they very good at keeping them tenanted as, as much as possible? Or are you going to have voids or... Right. So a, a typical service combination property is has got about 70 to 75 percent occupancy. So this is all pre-COVID type stuff. 70 to 75 percent occupancy when it comes to short term stays. Mm -hmm. If you start going above 80 percent occupancy on short term stays, you know, one, you know, two nights, three night stays. Actually, you're too cheap. You want to be putting your prices up. So we've tested this um, because you're going to be paying out a lot more on cleaning and laundry if you're getting loads and loads of short-term stays, right? Mm -hmm. So the sweet okay. spot is is actually stay between 70 and 80% on your short-term stays. Fine, if you get a six-month booking, then that's going to put you well into the 90% over the course of a year, but that's fine. The short, the long bookings are okay. But th So just to answer your question on, on voids. Now then, me personally, I've got HMOs and... 
I've got large properties that I could turn into a HMO, but I choose not to. So I've got five story properties, over, uh, sorry, three story properties, five bedroom, three story properties that could be a HMO, but they're not. I actually do whole house SA with those because they appeal oh, to okay. large groups of contractors. All right, so okay. large groups of contractors can save a lot of money on, on a hotel and they can stay for six months, all right? Now then, when it comes to a, a property that is already a HMO, then it's going to be either C4 or sui generis, and that's a, a, a specific use class which designates it as a HMO. Okay. So actually, if you wanted to get rock up and start doing whole house SA, you need to get permission from the, the local authority to do that. Okay. They might either say, now I've actually asked for permission on my HMOs before, and I've been told, yes, you can do it without the need for change of use planning. But they might say only if you change it um, to a C3 property. All right, to do whole house SA. Now then, what people get confused with HMOs is they think I'm going to get a HMO and then I'm going to let it out by the room like a guest house. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's actually naughty, naughty, because oh. to do that with a property, it should be C1 commercial. All right, okay. because that's what guest houses, B&Bs and guest houses are. They're, they're C1 commercial. All right. So I was actually, funnily enough, uh, doing a mentoring call with a guy uh, last night who um, has got himself into hot water with his local authority for doing essay by the room um, in a HMO of his. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm trying to help him out of that problem. He didn't attend my training or anything like that. This is just somebody that approached me. I think he said he'd seen a YouTube video of mine and approached me for help. So I did a free okay. free consultation call with him last night um, to try and help him out. <clears throat> but um, so, so ultimately, the point is, I would rather do whole house SA with a, a, a larger property rather than SA by the room. Now, obviously, I do SA by the room, but that's in an apart hotel model hmm. where I'm turning rooms into studio apartments or the ensuite rooms. Now, turn it into a studio apartment by putting a little kitchenette in. So that is still a, a commercial property and it but it is actually a hotel okay yeah I'm, I'm, now, I'm keeping up with you i'm keeping up right so the point is with plymouth as well is it's pretty much article four now what article four means is you're not allowed it used to be a case where there's no article four you can turn a normal c3 property a house right into a hmo under permitted development but Article 4 means you're not allowed to do that. You've got to apply for planning permission to turn a, a house into a HMO. And normally where Article 4 is in place, you won't, you won't get planning to turn it into a HMO. So this affects a lot of people doing rent to HMO because they can't okay. get permission. The beauty of rent to SA is you don't have to apply for planning. So you can rent a house, a big house, and use it as whole house SA without the need for planning because C3 is still the most appropriate use class. Okay. All right? Because you're doing whole house. You're not doing it by the room and you're not letting yeah. it out to tenants. You're, you're letting it to guests. 
So the beauty of doing rent to SA, in my experience, and I've done rent to HMO before, and I've still got the HMOs because I, I also went and bought them with a lease purchase option. But the beauty of doing rent to SA is, do you know what? You don't have to do stud partition walls, fire alarms, new carpets, repainting, rewire, fire alarms, you know, all of that stuff because you don't need to do that in an SA. You just need to make sure that uh, you do a risk assessment for fire and stuff like that. So the way of thinking about an SA is it's just like a holiday let. If you went and stayed in a holiday okay. let, yep. it's just somebody's house that you are getting to stay in or an Airbnb. It's just somebody's a flat or house that you're going to stay in temporarily. That's an SA. Now, so, where that SA happens to be is irrelevant. Mm. It could be a two up, two down inner city terrace. It's still available for somebody to book on Airbnb and booking.com, et cetera. And either leisure guests or contractors are going to book it, basically. So I never thought about it that before. I just assumed it would need to be somewhere pretty touristy, you know, in the nicer areas, not on on your regular street which is know, more where, expensive and right. where is all your competition is okay because that's, I mean, that's we, what we've got, thinking yeah we got you said earlier about white collar workers we've got the big hospital haven't we you know the doctors nurses that have uh, don't that come from out of plymouth to be there and, and, and what just, else have you got out near Derriford hospital what other business parks retail science parks? park you've got the the naval base nuclear base uh, uh, you know, yeah, students. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just never really, like I say, I, I'm just traditional. Okay, you buy a house, buy to let it, and that's pretty much all you can do. I, I had no idea what, what these you options can do. Were available. What you can do is go to a, a local SA management company, and I'll, I can talk to you another time. It took a bit too long uh, on this one to talk about that, but you can go to an SA management company. And actually say, what do you think of this area? What do you think of that type of area? Are you, would you be happy taking it on? And they're basically going to give you advice based on what is going to make them the most money, what's going to get the most bookings. And I imagine they'd have contacts, landlords who are potentially selling as well, who you could just do a quick and easy deal with, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. They, they might even have, they might because a lot of them started off doing rent to SA. So they might have done rent to SAs with letting agents. But a lot of SA management companies, um, they don't necessarily know all the different tools of the trade that I know. Mm -hmm. They don't have all the other uh, ways of getting property that, that I know. So they, they might know that you've got to um, come up with a, a deposit and the first month's rent and furnish the property. Okay, so they, they might go and get more rent to SAs if they had the spare cash to go and do it. Mm -hmm. but they don't have that spare cash but they they the letting agent would give them one if they if they went and said oh can i have number 27 acacia avenue the letting agent would do it but say you come along and you can do that initial expenditure but you're going to then take it from the letting agent and give it to the sa management company then the sa management company are going to say to the letting agent yeah um we we support this guy mark um, we're going to be managing the property for him. And then the letting agent's going to have the confidence to let you take it on a rent to SA. Yeah. So I've never heard of 
I've, I've got a letting agent. All my properties are let out through um, a really good letting agent here in Plymouth. But I've never heard of or actually seen a SA management company. I, I imagine there are some in Plymouth. I just don't know about them. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch with some. I've trained, I've trained uh, at least oh. one of them. Okay. Oh, perfect. So I'll yeah. put you in touch. And um, and so for, for people listening into this and watching this uh, Facebook Live, if you if you go onto Google and you put in serviced accommodation, whatever town you're in, short-term lets, short-term rental, Airbnb, holiday, holiday furnished holiday let, that type of searches. But serviced accommodation should normally do it. And then scroll a couple of pages and you'll, you'll find a, an essay management company in your town. Okay. And if you don't, then there isn't, there isn't one there. All right. The other way of doing it is you can find Airbnbs. And with Airbnbs, you can message the Airbnb host and ask if they're an essay management company. And then that's uh, how you okay. can hook up. That's how you can hook up with them. But when you find the website, then you can obviously contact them via their website and, and okay. basically ask them for advice on what properties they would like more of, and then you can go and get those to hand over to them. What kind of mortgage do you need? Is it a special a, product? Yeah, so again, uh, happy to put you in touch with a, a broker who will uh, tailor a specific mortgage to you. You can actually get mortgages now that allow service accommodation and buy to let on the same product. Oh, okay, wow, so you've got okay. you've got the alternative of doing one or the other. So okay. yeah, you just need a, a holiday let type uh, mortgage. Okay. How long have we got left, Kev? A couple of minutes. Can can you very Let's quickly go for five five more minutes to be fine? Can you just quickly run me through? I know the I'd say seventy five percent of it, but the whole lease option purchasing thing. You know how that works. Yeah. Okay. So this is the, the best way of doing this is it's a it's like rent to rent with a lease purchase option in place. Okay. So the way you do it is you say to somebody, right, I'd like to lease your property off you, and I'll give you X amount per month, and I'd like to write to buy your property. And let's say any time in the next five years for X amount. So let's say the property is currently worth £100,000. You say to them, I'll tell you what, I'll give you £110,000 any time in the next five years. But in the meantime, this is amount I'll give you every single month in the meantime with the right to buy your property for 110 And so what you do is with permission you use the property as so i've done this with buy to let hmo and service accommodation and uh, a, a guest house bnb into a part hotel okay so with permission you're using the property however you want to use it with the right to buy it at the agreed price at the outset and you're leasing it in the meantime now if you get if you came to me and you say that you gave me that deal. You said in five years' time I'll give you one hundred and ten thousand, right? And then all of a sudden, in five years have gone, and it's rather one hundred and seventy thousand, and I throw my dummy out. Where where do I stand? Is it obviously legally con binding contracts? And 
Well, your dummy's you going to be on the floor get, getting dirty, and, and you know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll pick it up and, and stuff it back in your gob without wiping it. <laughs> people, people listening, watching this, they're thinking, "What's going on?" It's just uh, an ex commando talking to an ex bootneck. Um, okay, so the conveyancing gets done from the outset, from the day that from at the beginning yeah, of the relationship. Okay, that's right, and so effectively. It's all tied up from the outset, so the the uh, the legalities, the conveyancing is done from from the day at which the option goes live. So the the seller would not be able to pull out of that contract as okay. long as the buyer isn't in breach of contract. So so the buyer says, yeah, I'm going to use the property as service accommodation in the meantime, but the buyer turns it into a, a sandwich shop. You know, oh, that's a breach yeah. of contract. So therefore mm -hmm. that that it's all null and void. But as long as everybody adheres to the contract, then the seller can't pull out of that deal. And the beauty of it is you've got the right to buy it at the agreed price, not the obligation. So if the, the property drops to 90,000, you don't have to mm -hmm. buy it for 100. You can just extend the option okay. period. You can negotiate that from the outset that you can extend the option period until such time. So you can either give it back at the five-year point or extend it to maybe uh, wait till the property appreciates in value a bit more. Wow, it's it's so clever, isn't it? I just I understand now. I used to be a little bit like, why do I need to go on a training course? It's not that difficult. You get some money for a deposit. You find a house. You offer less than it is. You rent it out. You get a couple hundred pound a month, and you let it go up in value over ten years. But the more I speak to you, and the more this stuff just blows my mind about the options available. And even the way you can buy properties, like I just thought it was all you have to go to an estate agent and, you know, get messed around for weeks on end and, you know, phone calls backwards before, but you can literally just go and knock on somebody's door. You know, I've done it with guest houses. I've done it with guest houses. And I've said um, there was four guest houses in a row. I said, I'm looking to buy a guest house in the area. Do you know anyone willing to sell? And I was dragged across the threshold on all four. None no, of them were for sale. sale. None of them were for sale. Guesthouse B&B owners are desperate to get out, but they can't because they've, they've not been declaring their income. So they've ruined the commercial value of their property. So they can't sell it to anyone trying to buy with a commercial loan. And they can't sell it to someone who wants to buy it and live in it as a house because it's a C1 commercial property and the buyer can't get a mortgage on it. So how did how do you get the finance for that? Because I can I can raise the finance. Well, uh, there's there's different ways of doing it. Okay, so you can you can do. Uh, we've started a new loop. You can do oh. a, a bridging. That's fine. You can do a, a bridge product. You can take it on an option. So this is my preferred mm -hmm. one. You basically so you say, I tell you what I'll do. I'll give you this much for it, but wait until I've done a, a refurb. So I'll refurbish your property. So let's say let's just use some round figures here. They, they've been trying to sell it and they want 200,000, but they're struggling to sell it to get out. All right. Mm -hmm. Because no one can buy it with a commercial because the, all the buyers don't know any creative strategies. The buyers right. are, are just retired couple that want a guest house. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but they can't yeah. raise the finance to buy it. Um, so I say to them, well, I tell you what, I'll take it on an option. So we'll agree 200,000. Let me get it refurbished in the meantime. And I'll give you your 200,000 and give you a year or two, whatever it is you need. All right. So 
you didn't have to i didn't have to finance the purchase all i've got to do is finance the refurb okay yeah? and then what you do is you get it refurbished then get a surveyor in to value it at its new value which is a lot higher mm -hmm. okay because you've basically turned it into an apart hotel so you've converted the owner's accommodation i showed you the one in plymouth didn't i yeah yeah when i was down at the weekend you came and had a look and yeah. so we basically turned uh did you see one of the kitchenette rooms you did didn't you on the in yeah Plymouth? and so, yeah. so we put a kitchenette into an ensuite room and the rooms that we showed you one was the pre one was the dining room yeah and one was the lounge and it was all open plan but one was the dining room one's the lounge so we put a stud partition in and we put on suites in there and kitchenettes in there okay so that's that's two rooms the owner's accommodation there was some downstairs and some upstairs we turned those into studios so we've turned what was previously a potential 10 bed bnb into a 16 studio apartment hotel so wow. imagine the commercial value of that now okay mm -hmm. but all we've got to do is now we get it valued at its new commercial uh, its new value and then with that valuation report we say to our investors i can buy this property for two hundred thousand. it's now worth a million do you think you're going to have a problem raising 200 grand on a property that's worth a million i doubt no. it no so so you exercise your option to buy it you get the 200 grand to buy it and then you you can't have, you can't realize the full commercial value until you can provide a couple of years worth of trading account so you might you might be giving your investors a good return on their investment for a couple of years or whatever but ultimately back end the property's worth a million and then you loan 70 percent loan to value against the million nice okay yeah so yeah and no one was exploited the the, the 70 year old owners in fact the woman that, whose guest house it was that you came in she was in her 70s and she'd been trying to get out for about 10 years so you helped her out big time yeah big time. i have one more question right because right. we talked about this and i and i was telling my wife about this and i actually drove past and showed her all i was so impressed with it all in the old model of a, of a b and b or a guest house you would have a reception you have someone there they'd run around and make your toast for you in the morning they'd be there 23 hours a day how does it work now with the way you've set it up now do you have somebody on site? i know the laundry come in and out at certain times but is there anyone as like an emergency point of contact that you need to employ you know we took you through to the uh, the back bit out where the the mm -hmm. out where the, the backyard is on yep. the first floor yeah so in that's going to be lockable there and there'll be a, a a place there that somebody could stay overnight so let's say Brittany Ferry comes in at four in the morning and we're getting 20 people uh, checking in at four in the morning. Yes, we can have somebody there to check them in and to make sure everything's tickety-boo. But under normal circumstances, um, when somebody books a studio apartment, they book a studio apartment and they don't necessarily need someone to show them into a mm. studio apartment. So people will turn up they'll get the uh, key code to get in the outside door. Mm -hmm. And uh, we haven't decided 100% on how we're going to structure this one, but ultimately they can have uh, coded access or a key fob or a physical key. 
and they they're basically told exactly where their room is and they just go to their room and they're booking a self-contained studio apartment right so they're not expecting anyone running around after them in the morning doing them bacon and eggs that's what they book a Mm self-contained studio so instead of having 16 studio apartments scattered around plymouth we've got them all in the one building with the economies of scale with that yeah no need to apply for a change of use because we we took a a guest house, a C1 commercial guest house. I think Son, Sonny's asked a question or somebody else has asked a question. I'm going to come to Facebook questions in a minute. Um, but you're taking a C1 commercial property and you're keeping it as a C1 commercial property. Okay. No more questions from me. I'm done. I'm, I'm <laughs> frazzled, yeah. mate. Thank you. Head blown. All right, mate. Well, well, that was really useful and I really appreciate you um, asking your questions because you're asking the questions that lots of people are thinking mm-hmm. and um, and yeah we've got a, a, a you know a, a combined or joint history we know the same people we've got the same friends and mm-hmm. uh, and and so yeah I'm gonna be somebody's posted on Facebook a, a question in a minute I'll come to those questions in a minute so I'm gonna uh, wrap up the the podcast now and go to that because I think the podcast has already gone to about 49 minutes, 50 minutes, which is fine. So that's absolutely fine. I'm sure uh, our listeners really loved that um, that episode and interview, Mark. So I trust everybody found that useful. I will be back in one week's time on the Service Accommodation Property Podcast. So here's to your success in Service Accommodation, everyone, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.